0: You are listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting live from UBC Point Gray campus on the unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I hope everybody's doing well. I am currently alone in the studio. Um, Lou is going to be joining at 5.30. So much fun. <laughs> anyway, so we have a great show for today. We are going to... We have some reviews. I have review- I have two reviews. We have a pre-recorded interview, and then Lua is going to do a review, and we also have a pre-recorded review. So yeah, a lot of stuff to listen about. <laughs> um, I am going to start with a shout-out, though. So this shout-out is for Herringbone. It is a delightfully upsetting one-person musical. Um, <laughs> the reason I am shouting this out is because students... It's your lucky day, you get to see the show for ten dollars when the adult um, the adult pricing is from twenty seven varies from twenty seven to thirty six dollars, and you get to see it for ten dollars with the code theater student. That's theater with T H E E A T R E instead of T E R. Yeah. So, what's this show about? It is a musical. It's a unique one man cabaret musical by Canadian playwright Tom Cohn at the Anvil, C- Anvil Center. It's going to be going on until October 6th, so you have four more days to listen to it. Uh, no, not listen to it, watch it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so they uh, say it it is a darkly comic, highly theatric- theatrical musical set in 1929 that tells the tale of eight year old George, who is taken under the wing of a vaudevo veteran becomes possessed by the spirit of his mentor's vengeful partner and suddenly shows remarkable talent for dancing um, the unique thing about this is it's a one man show and the actor is playing 12 characters along with singing and dancing so you know it's going to be good um, there are two actors they are alternating I don't want to butcher their last name so I'm just going to go ahead and try my best I'm sorry so Louisa and Peter Jorgensen. They have alternating performances. I believe you can find the information online. Um, Again, the show is called, it's a musical. The musical is called Herringbone. It is at the Anvil Centre Theatre until um, October 6th. And if you use the code THEATERSTUDENT, that's T H E A T R E S T U D E N T. -T 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 You get to see the show for $10. That is amazing. Okay, so now that that is out of the way, you can, now that you know that you can see a show for $10, which is, you know, (laughs) amazing for student budget, um, I'm gonna be doing a review of Anthony and Cleopatra. Um, If you do not know, Anthony and Cleopatra is a um, Shakespeare play. Also, I'm sorry if my voice is shaky I'm really nervous right now I'm alone in the studio and I hope I'm doing well so far (laughs) um yeah so it follows the relationship between Cleopatra and Mark Antony from the time of Sicilian revolt to Cleopatra's suicide during the final war of the Roman Republic and the major antagonist is Caesar Octavius Caesar So I have mixed feeling about this. Honestly, I do. I don't know. Um, So it is. I want to just, you know, if you want to see this, know that it's in Shakespearean language. You might be confused if you're not, you know, if you don't know it well, which is me. Honestly, I thought I did. But then um, I was confused. But, you know, you get the hang of it after a while. You understand what they're saying. It's just, you know, the beginning. So one interesting... Oh, by the way, this this play is um, put on by Studio 58 at Sutherland Area College. Um, anyways, yeah, so Anthony and Cleopatra, they did something really interesting. They um, did a gender reverse. So Cleopatra, Caesar... Basically, every male role was played by a female, and every female role was played by a male. And... Um, <laughs> It was really interesting because you expected, like, the play started with the women playing Anthony, and you thought it was Cleopatra because, you know, you assume that a woman is playing Cleopatra, but it was not, and then Cleopatra, the guy playing Cleopatra entered, and wow. (laughs) So, yeah, that's interesting. So, you expect Cleopatra to be this wonderfully beautiful women and it's a tall man. Yeah. Um that was really cool because I feel like yeah, gender reverse like plays have been catching on, but there aren't many um companies that do that. So it was cool to see this. And okay, so one thing about this though is that I was really confused throughout the play because um, what they did is for example the girl playing Caesar she still had like these huge earrings and these this big necklace on and you know she was wearing clothes she wasn't wearing a skirt or something like that but it still looked like you know um, what uh, typical women quote-unquote would dress like so yeah I don't know I guess that is, you know, uh something about the show that makes it also interesting after a while. You you know with gender reverses. You see that they dress a the woman like the man so that you understand that it's the man and then dress a the man like the woman so that you know you understand that it's the woman. Um but still, I don't know how I feel about this. Um <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so because I said in the beginning, I said I had mixed feeling about this. It's because the production was really well. Like, the actors were amazing. The lighting. Oh, my God. The lighting. It was so good. Honestly, whoever the lighting managed, like, the lighting design. I'm looking at the thing. It says, oh, my God. I can't pronounce that name. Sergis Orpsal. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, but you were great. The lighting was amazing. Um, The actors did great, as I said. But the play itself is really boring. If you have never read or seen um, Anthony and Cleopatra, I feel like you might be bored with this one because it's not, I feel like, in my opinion at least, um, it's not Shakespeare's best play. (laughs) And... (laughs) Honestly, I don't know what else to say, because for the first time, I was like, you know, where's this plot gonna end up? Like, Shakespeare, what are you doing? <laughs> what is going on, Shakespeare? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry if that is... I mean, Shakespeare is not listening to this, so I don't feel that bad. But <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. Uh. <laughs> So yeah, I'm going to give like a quick final thoughts. If you're interested in gender reversed plays and if you're interested in seeing a Shakespeare play in Shakespearean language, go see Anthony and Cleopatra at Studio 58 in Langara College. It is going on until October 13th, so... You have some, yeah, you have you have some time. And, well, yeah, that's it with this play. <laughs> um, now we are going to listen to a pre-recorded interview that Lua did. And then after that, we're going to have an ad and PSA break. And we will be back. Um, <laughs> just... Give me a second please, I am <laughs> trying to figure this out, oh man. <laughs>
1: Hello everyone. I'm Lua, and I am here today with Aaron Alexander from the show Connect. He was part of Fringe this year. Unfortunately, we did not make it to the show because we were so busy covering so many different things. But we are very excited to have him here today to talk a little bit more about his show and about the other performance that a Connect might have in the future. So, Aaron, what exactly is Connect?
2: Well, uh, describing it was one of the early challenges of the uh, the Fringe. Um, I what I started doing is calling it TED Talk Meets Magic Show. And uh, it works because it intrigues people, but it also works because it's kind of neither. Um, it's basically a show about... Uh, it's inspired by certain ideas in, in art and science around how we connect. And rather than uh, being kind of a just a, a stage performance only, it includes the audience. So people come and they... The, the TED Talks part is... Sharing some ideas about what we are as humans who connect, and the magic show part is you actually get to experience it in the moment.
1: Interesting. Well, I really, really wanted to make out to it, like go out to it, because it sounds fascinating. And mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love some psychological magic, right? right? Um But where does that magic sense comes from?
2: Where does the magic? Se- so, what is the the magic part yeah. of the magic <laughs> show? This <theme's laughs> TED Talk. <coughs> so. One of the benefits of the show is I just get to show people what it's like. But essentially, there are certain ways that we're wired to connect that happen in our daily lives that we're not aware of. So, for example, in this show, one of the things that we do is we have two people, they sit across from each other. I do a very short, what seems like an odd exercise, and then all of a sudden, if one of them moves, the other moves automatically. If one of the, if I touch one of them, the other one feels it. We're creating this this intense state of mirroring where all of a sudden the barrier between people kind of evaporates. And so, you know, it's it's magic in that there's kind of the, the emotional beats of a magic performance bec- with, you know, crazy things happening. But it's not a magic show in that there's no tricks. It's just kind of what we are and don't realize.
1: That's so cool. Especially because um, last, week, last week I was talking to some friends about, like, energy yes. and how energy kind of connects us all. And, like, that connection that we don't necessarily see but it's always there and we're always feeling it, even if we don't actually acknowledge it. Fascinating. (laughs) Um, But where does the inspiration for a show like this comes from?
2: So um, as I talked about, realistically, (coughs) um, any show is kind of a sanitized version of reality in that there are a lot of inspirations that got me to the point of creating these types of effects and and experiences, which I've done for a number of years. Um, This show in particular... Was inspired by a few experiences of isolation in my own life. Um, I traveled city to city for a while doing consulting work, um, and uh, really struggled. And took some of those experiences kind of as a set piece to talk about well, what is connection? And um, so I went from a good way to put it. I I think the inspiration was. The inspiration, <laughs> as I described it in the show, was that. Um, further than that, though, you know, I, I had worked in a lot of, and, and I talked about this less, although did mention it here and there, depending on the audience. Um, other inspirations included, like, I, I used to do youth work. I worked with high-risk youth. I worked in mental health stuff. I had my own problems with anxiety and depression over my life. And so much of that is really about a lack of the basic human connections that we need to function as a social species. And so the... The sanitized version is, you know, certain experiences, but the, the real thing is kind of my whole life experience pushed me in a direction where I wanted to explore this in a more public way.
1: That's amazing. And how did you find out about these tricks or, like, develop them?
2: <laughs> um, we, so we got some, some shenanigans going on outside. They're gone now. Um, how did I develop them? So, the originally I started getting interested in perception back... Um, my undergrad which i'm in grad school now so it's like 10 years ago um and after a long space in between i should say <laughs> it didn't, didn't take 10 years <laughs> to do my undergrad um so i was interested in in perception and specifically um how different cultures seem to have um, social means of bending perception um you know if you go to see a healer around the world there are many different types of healers many different traditions many different cultures many different experiences that you can have yet they seem to be able to do similar things like take away pain or remove emotional stress or you know create differences in how we experience the world i got interested in that and i realized much later that it was a lot to do with my own Uh, when i grew up my mom was sick and had cancer and was taking pain meds and stuff and i absolutely was influenced in just the you know We've all we've all had uh, parents and loved ones who are sick, and and I think that that sort of planted this seed of why is it that other cultures say know how to take away pain, and we don't seem to in our system? Why do we need this kind of intervention?
1: That's very fascinating, and I think it's very beautiful how you know art can come from so many different aspects of life. Yeah. Um, usually, I don't I dislike very much the trope that. An artist needs to be like pained and, you know, like right. terribly sad to produce beautiful things because that's not necessarily true. Yeah. But when it does happen, it's it's still beautiful that there can come beauty out of pain. Right. Um, and so you develop these techniques techniques by yourself.
2: Yeah, in for the most part. So in in um, early on, I was just kind of working in my own bubble. I had a a psych supervisor who was. Um, and I hear this is much rarer nowadays uh, in terms, not nowadays is in, it's rarer that professors will take this route of just kind of being generally interested in exploring whatever their student wants to with them. So I had a supervisor who did that with me and um, I, I basically my, I had this idea of how, you know, there's these mind-body interactions that happen in, in certain social experiences and um, wrote some stuff, uh, and, and then she kind of turned the tables on me and was like, cool, well, if this is true, then you should be able to do it. Come to the neuroscience group. And, and then try, it out. <laughs> try it out. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, and so I did, and then um, along the way, I got um, a lot of interest from, because I, I did some talks here and then I did some writing. I got involved with some scientists, some doctors, some performers were the ones where it really took off because there's a lot of people who do different kinds of art that involves bending sensi- sensory experience um, yes I kind of bumped around in different spheres and of course so it's what I was getting to is how do, did I come up with it all myself no there's always cross fertilization especially when you're bumping around in those worlds
1: so it kind of came from your studies and then became a performance and now are you using it back into your studies
2: well I'll tell you in a couple hours <laughs> I, have <laughs> <laughs> I have a meeting with my, my uh, graduate um, supervisor so I would love to and there's A lot of different ways you know I think early on I was very interested in kind of the the nuts and bolts of perception and now I'm more interested in how um, the experiences that I created actually they they show a lot about how people deal with um, the unknown with uncertainty um, how our senses work and don't work under certain social circumstances and I think that's fascinating and relates to a lot of things and
1: do you what do you think you have taken away from creating the show to your personal life
2: a lot. <laughs> um, a lot because, uh, and I don't know what level of, of geek is, is uh, tolerable on a, on a uh, show All like this. Levels All we levels of geek. We love geek. So to me, the reason, so I, I actually, I didn't learn a magic trick till I was like tw- 25, I'm going to say. Um, And I still kind of don't know any good ones. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) But you have a magic, kind of a magic show. I do.
2: (laughs) Kind of, yeah. And, but what, what, so in the beginning I was like, well, this isn't magic. I I, I always thought that that was some stupid kid thing. And I came to realize that one of the reasons that the idea of magic resonates so much with us is because in order to experience anything that feels magical, we have to go into this place of uncertainty. We have to go into a place where things don't make sense but it's probably gonna be okay. And I it took me a long time to realize how significant that was. And so um, I realized also that when I was I, I had several years where I was depressed and had all sorts of issues going on and that one of the hardest things was dealing with uncertainty, dealing with intensity of emotion and the kinds of things that you you know you don't get when you're locked in a cave and so the the show kind of had this double meaning where for me I had to be open and and present and ready to engage with people and that dealt with that meant dealing with uncertainty beyond anything I was comfortable with post-depression so there was that and then the same time in order for anyone to experience those effects the things that I create they have to be able to go to that same place so It was, for me, a a huge proof of concept in terms of uh, how I want to live my life and an interesting new way of performing that is real and also magical.
1: And besides being obviously very amusing and entertaining, what do you think the audiences take away from your show?
2: Um, Yes, and it was different depending on the different audiences, but um, one of the big ones was... um, you know I talk a little bit about why it's so scary to connect and the and um, you know the the premise of the show it kind of starts out with this idea of humans as creatures who build worlds together and the build worlds part I had I had done a lot at the beginning of when I started doing stuff the together part it took me a long time to figure out because I had my own issues around connecting with people and so in the course of the show I do I take them on that path from well, we build worlds, but we do it together. And it's scary because it matters. It's scary because we need each other. It's scary because we care about each other and we can lose each other and we can find each other. And so often I would hit that note towards the end. And in those performances, that was really a thing that people came up and talked to me about in terms of their ability to connect their fear or even things like as simple as, um, and I, I got this quite a few times too, we're creating something, some crazy things that happen with your mind, and it's fine. And most people, it turns out, are kind of terrified of their minds, and so I mean, they our come minds
1: up are very, very powerful, much more than we give the credit to be.
2: Yeah, and so people would come up and they'd say, you know, this didn't work with me, is there's something wrong with me? And you could kind of feel that there's something wrong with me went a lot deeper than what happened <laughs> in the show. And then I'd be like, I'd coach them through it; they'd have the experience, they'd feel fine, or they'd you know come up and say, you know, I'd never thought of this this way. It was, um, yeah, wide, wide range of experiences. And
1: are you planning on having more shows?
2: In my life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, uh, in the near future? <laughs> in the near future. I don't have any specific plans. I just started grad school same week as... Fringe, Fringe Festival. Festival <laughs> so that was a wild ride. And it is becoming very apparent to me that those two lives can't live at the same time. So, um... Oh, that's not 100% true, because I do have... <laughs> so I mentioned I got Im- involved with some performers, and um, I have a, a workshop coming up in October where I have some of the best... Uh, super geeky again, <laughs> but I think amazing. Have uh, you ever th- seen theatrical pickpocketing?
1: Um, I don't think so.
2: It's a crazy, or I would say art, um, where people will just like bring you on a stage, steal all your stuff... In and then an entertaining way, you. and give it back. To you. <laughs> okay, thank um, you. <laughs> I mean. But they have an Oops. incredible understanding of uh, how our minds and bodies work, and so I'm—I have a workshop where I'm bringing in a bunch of people with crazy skills like that, and they're oh, that just going to teach it to whoever wants to come. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'd love to come. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, that I, I will be doing a spot in that, so that will be like a performance, and uh, but mostly I'll be there because I think what they do is. Amazing, and <laughs> <like> <laughs> I was kind of hilarious. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was gonna say hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, Maybe I'll uh, send you a clip later. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see. I
1: mean, we we always love having these different weird kind of things on our show, so definitely. Mm-hmm. And going back to Fringe, what was your experience with Fringe like? Was it was your first time at Fringe.
2: It's my first time at Fringe. <clears throat> it was uh, it was good. There was, jeez, oh, how would I sum this up? There's a lot of. Uh, I feel like because I was in school at the same time it's kind of like fringe ended and the next minute I was studying (laughs) so I kind of haven't thought about most of these things um generally speaking it was a great experience they had um, a good amount of support um the it seemed fairly well managed uh, especially given that it's um a not-for-profit organization that deals with artists so there's a certain bar that that uh I think we tend to be low in that area from my experiences and they did well. Um, And uh, yeah, I liked all the shows I saw, I enjoyed. The performers I saw, I I met, I really loved. And most of all, I just love the idea of the fringe. Because I I grew up in Edmonton where the fringe is a huge deal. It's not as big, quite as big here. But I had no idea that all of those people, or most of them, just got drawn from a hat. Um, And my show was was picked for a BYOV, but um, yeah, and I I think mainly because it I didn't need a technician. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't need anything, so yeah, yeah. So I yeah that that was my big takeaway is partway through I was like oh this is way simpler than I thought it was, and I love that this is a thing. I love that we just have a space where people can come do art, and their qualification is they add a pulse and they could hit submit on a form. <laughs>
1: Mm. And they got selected. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming here today and taking your time to do this interview. Um, I hope to see some other shows soon-ish or anytime you're free with grad school. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. All right.
2: Excellent. Thank you.
3: Novel is playing SBC Restaurant on October 5th with UK post-punk art rock band Drala. Come out to catch Novel performing work from their recent self-titled EP Out Everywhere via Flemish Eye Records. That's Saturday, October 5th at SBC Restaurant. Ticket link available at FlemishEye.com. Artivism, UBC's student run festival of art and social change, is back for its second year. Artivism 2019 will be hosting a screening of The Celluloid Closet at CITR on Friday, October 4th. Come by CITR at 1 p.m. to catch it and a discussion on queer identities in film with UBC Film Society. That's Friday, October 4th at 1 p.m. in the CITR Lounge.
0: Hello, everybody. I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that pre-recorded intervie- interview with Aaron Alexander. And it is time for another review. Yes, I am doing the review of A Thousand Splendid Suns. It is put on by the Arts Club. It is at the Stanley Industrial Stage, if I am not wrong. It should be. Yeah, it is. Um, so, A Thousand Splendid Sons, it's ba- like, it's an adaptation of uh, the book by Khaled Hosseini. Wow, today's not my day with last names. I'm sorry if that was wrong. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm just going to quickly read what A Thousand Splendid Sons is about because <laughs> I am not qualified to give you the overview by myself. So, Mariam is an illegitimate child and suffers from both the stigma surrounding her birth along with the abuse she faces throughout her marriage. Laila, born a generation later, is comparatively privileged during her youth until their lives intersect and she is also forced to accept a marriage proposal from Rashid, Mariam's husband. Yes, you heard that right. Um, So this play is set in Afghanistan. And it is during wartime. There is a lot of people dying. And spoiler alert: if you've if you don't know what the book is about, or if you want to, you know, see the play without knowing anything, spoiler alert: <laughs> um, Layla's parents die and because a bombshell um, drops on their house, and she has to live with their. Neighbors, Rashid and Mariam. And so, Rashid and Mariam, they're married. They've been married for 30 years. And then, what happens is, Rashid wants to take Laila as a second wife. And she says yes. And I'm not going to give any more information about the plot itself because all the ups and downs. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) So, I have to say, this is by far, hands down, the best play I have ever seen, and I am not exaggerating, I am not joking, I am dead serious, this is really good. The Everybody did such a good job. The actors, I mean, Arts Club always puts an amazing plays, and the actors are always amazing. Um, they're great. They, you, oh, oh man, okay, so when it comes to actors, I want to say, I went to see this with a really close friend of mine. Her name's Jer- Germaine. And Germaine sa- said that in the book, she, um, Mariam was kind of, you know, not interesting. She was kind of flat. She's a flat character. But on stage, it was portrayed much better. And, you know, how they positioned with Layla, you understand the character better. And <laughs> honestly, It's more traumatizing, but that's what makes it great. (laughs) And I want to give big props to the director. I am looking at their name right now. And Sam Kadri. So, honestly, really great directing. It was amazing the light I know I always say something about the lighting but the lighting was amazing. Okay. Can I just say also I'm sorry if you're hearing the shuffling of the paper that's not really good. I'm sorry. Um yeah. So the set was really beautiful. Set design, big props to you. <laughs> I would I just want to say, you know, congratulations to everybody involved in this production because um man, I I was <sighs> My heart was beating fast during the play. My friend cried. It was, you know, an emotional roller coaster. Usually it was lows, but there were some ups also. And I just want to, you know, it's just want to say it's a rather happy ending. Um, So you can you can be sure that you will be relieved at the end of the play. So you could, you know, you don't have to feel anxiety. (laughs) Anyways, so, some things about this play. Um, There is, they touch on domestic abuse, um, underage underage marriage, and, you know, making children work. And by children, I mean, like, little infants, because the family needs money. So, poverty, and that was really triggering for me, honestly, because... Um, I am fortunate enough to have grown up with a family um, that was modern and I mean I am from Turkey and I live in Canada and I feel like that says enough about my family <laughs> um, but there are still a lot of people in Turkey who make their daughters marry much older men at you know younger than 18 they are like 12 year olds that are marrying 50 year olds in Turkey still they are A lot of little kids, like five, six-year-olds, that has to beg for money on the streets because their family needs money. (laughs) And there's domestic abuse. Domestic abuse is... It's it's really big. And um, it's a really uh, sensitive subject for, I feel like, almost everybody in Turkey because... I don't want to get into too much detail, but it's still present and it's 2019 and this play is set not in 2019. So if you think you could be triggered by these things, make sure that you're prepared for it because they, um, they portray it so well that you feel like you're actually there living these things with the characters. So, um, yeah... Well, just want to give a quick, you know, an overview. It is A Thousand Splendid Suns. And it is going on at the Stanley Industrial Theater until October 13th. And I have recommended a lot of plays on the show. But this one, you have to go see it. If you're in Vancouver until October 13th, go see this play. It is amazing Um, bring some tissues because I know you will cry and um, emotionally prepare yourself to be invested in these characters because it is amazing anyways that is it with my review so now we're gonna go on to a pre-recorded review that Silvana did by the way Silvana is in the is in a studio right now I'm good, thanks. How are you?
4: <laughs> I'm good, thank you very much.
0: Welcome, <laughs> how's your day been?
4: Uh, it's been good. I just like I came out from a quiz. But oh. now here in the studio.
0: Yeah. Um, do you wanna talk about a little about the <laughs> play that I, I will um play if I can find it? I'm sorry this is happening. Um <laughs> no
4: worries. Um it wasn't really a play, but it was more of a, it, it was a talk, um, It held by the Orr Gallery and a, the Concert of Friends in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really interesting <laughs> to see, to, to attend one of these events, because, um, you know, it's, lo- it's not like by a, a theatre or like a company, but like more of like the concert and the gallery. And it was, um, I, went, I also went with Serena, uh, who also volunteers here at the radio. Yay. And <laughs> And uh, we met, uh, well, we could hear um, amazing uh, French writers, activists. Yeah. Um, it, and it was all around the, the topic of, like, black as a cultural modality and opening up, um, black spaces mm-hmm. uh, and spaces to talk about all these different things um, so Olivier, it was Olivier and okay. François I, if you find the review I hope
0: yeah um, <laughs> <more about> <laughs> so <laughs> while I look for that um, I think we yeah, Do you, is there anything more you want to say or we can go to an Adam PSA break maybe
4: yeah, I think we can
0: go to a break if you want. Okay, so um, <laughs> we'll be back really soon. Um, I oh man, I am really sorry, everybody. Honestly, told you it's my first time on the controls, and this is kind of chaotic for me. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> We're here with you. Um, uh, thank you. Okay. Um. Oh man, I hope every day, yep, okay, let's go.
3: (laughs) From September 26th to October 11th is the Vancouver International Film Festival. VIF presents the world's best cinema fused with related talks and events in a unique Films Plus model. Annually, VIF presents over 320 films and events, plays host to approximately 400 industry professionals from around the globe, and boasts the largest Canadian film program in the world. Tickets are on sale now. Go to VIF.org or the Van City Theatre Box Office to purchase yours today.
0: Need a creative outlet how on earth can i channel everything that's
1: inside of me you know you can do that at citr and discorder right pardon me yeah you can illustrate for discorder magazine or take photographs of events and artists and they can teach you how to use photoshop in their
4: media lab that is so exhilarating it fills my soul
1: with lightning
4: yeah just email volunteer at citr dossier and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever
0: i wouldn't miss it for the world
5: Hello everyone, we're Serena,
4: and uh, I'm here with my partner. Uh, hi, I'm Silvana, and we both attended uh, the this talk uh, called Bodies, Borders, Fields, France as a Black Space, and it was held by the Consul, uh, the Consulate General of France in Vancouver and the Aura Gallery. So it was a very interesting talk, um, part of a multi-sided Event call, uh, events called Bodies, Borders, Fields um, and it was a very interesting talk with a writer, activist and curator François Berger and Olivier Marbeuf, uh, which is also a writer and curator um, and it was very interesting we, wa- we really want to talk about it because we really enjoyed it um, and there was a lot of very interesting ideas that we would like to explore how did you feel about the event, Serena? Um, I found that Francois was
5: so passionate and so knowledgeable when she talked about um, many ideas regarding um, postcolonialism, critiques on neoliberalism, mm. because she really felt so personally about these stories. Uh, when especially she has some family um, backgrounds where, well, where both her parents used to be some um, activists. activists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's really interesting. All of the, Olivier was also yeah. very, very interesting. He has mm-hmm. a, a really big passion for storytelling, yeah. and you can tell he has um, a very like large experience within like different mediums to do this. Yes, yes. So, um, so
5: yeah, yeah, can you tell us about um, some platforms and um, how he did his artwork? Yeah, um, he
4: how, he yeah. used to have a publisher. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Um, it, yeah, really cool. Um, it. it he like it was like around the 2000s yeah Uh, but yeah he saw it as a way to like allow black space and situate black space um like for instance he um talked about uh, black comic characters like in comic books how you know like they're usually like not that much represented and like it is a way of literally drawing them in the space yeah um he also I thought it was this was very interesting like an idea he's he said that, like, of course we were. I mean, we were starting to talk, and he, he, he mentioned the black, like the word black in mm-hmm. French, as a, it's different connotated. It has different connotations uh, than when it is pronounced in the English language. Yes.
5: How are they different?
4: Um, well, there are different like imaginaries that come with the word depending on each language because Mm. um there are different histories behind it like maybe uh, in english we think of like we can think of martin luther king we think of um, the black
5: culture like um movements yeah yeah
4: like today we think of like i don't know maybe black lives matter yeah um, and yeah we think of like it it just they are both words that have transcended very yeah. different histories yeah. in each language. So yes. I thought that was very because interesting. Because
5: black histories are in both countries are also radically different. So yeah, exactly.
4: Um, so, yeah, so he was saying how the meaning of the word is situated. Yes. So I thought that was also very interesting. Um, Olivia. Yes. is also comes from um, the outskirts of Paris. Mm-hmm. And he said how... the the place where he comes from um well he mentioned it in french i don't really understand this part but um he Mm. said that it translates to a a place of vanished Mm. people so i thought that was really powerful Mm. because it's like um it's like a a very physical metaphor geographical metaphor of the people that like literally live in the border of an image the image which is paris and paris is the the image of Paris, is also very different mm-hmm. from other like most yeah. cosmopolitan places yes, like yes, London. Yes. So yes. I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, <coughs> so <coughs> Paris TV. is more
5: like a cultural um, symbol place rather than a um, merely
4: physical. Um, it's more of like it's more of like um, it still like embodies France more yes. um, mm-hmm. more than like the rest of the world, and it, and yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. and his um his different initiatives his publisher his like now working in film production um is driven by storytelling and a he also like it like it is a place to like storytell yes and he said that like the movies are important like not only like in the forms of art but also Through the relationships that they make. Yes. And he really wants a creation of community. So, like, space in, like, not only artistic space, but also, like, community space. Yes. And he wants his films to start conversations, Mm -hmm. as the one we're having right now, and as the one that we attended. Yeah. And that there, and he also wants, like, no pacification of space, so that that Mm -hmm. people can actually engage actively in what they're looking at and the things that have been produced. Yeah. Um,. And, yeah, he, like, really wants to disturb space mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a way, like, stir, like, mm-hmm. uh, Derrida would yeah, say. Derrida. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but also, like, find a middle ground be- between that disturbing and respectability, which yes. is basically, I guess, the yes. big, like, powerful structures.
5: Yes, yes. So, uh, when we were talking about Derrida and some uh, construction, constructivism, then... Um, Afonso talked about some very interesting ideas about how we should critically think about artistry, narration, and education, so that we can decolonize those ideas and critically think of them under today's neoliberalism context. And yeah. um, she was also a very radical—not radical, but she was um, also a feminist. And uh, she is, she, yeah, she, she, yeah, she is also <laughs> a feminist. So, so she talks about the idea of body. Um, how they differ in the African feminism and uh, the uh, Afri- uh, and the American uh, Western feminism. Oh so yeah, I also yeah. thought that was really interesting. Yeah, because the Western philosophies or the Western philosophical traditions kind of see um, the body as some objects where mm-hmm. our mind and bodies could be separated in some sense yeah. so that in the western feminism women like the bodies should be owned by the women yeah but she pointed out that yeah, like yeah it's
4: all like so
5: yeah but it's her, based on private yes, property like yes. my body my yes rules, yes, you know?
4: yes it's like our body being yes. a space of yes, property yes
5: but for her idea and in terms of some you know african um Ecological environment or their cultures, they kind of see body as also a a, a part of uh, nature, so that um, people see their body as connected to the nature, so uh, they attain more connection and liberation from that rather than seeing some as some sort of property as we do. So, do you want to talk a a little more about Francois? Yes, yes. Francois also has talked about, um, critiqued about different waves of uh, capitalism and how they're manifested differently from the 20th century to the 21st century, where the global inequality has uh, increased greatly since um, the 20th century. So um, she's now also talking about a very interesting idea. Of how the current capitalism should be targeting would be targeting at the women's and the third world, or um, you know the so-called previously third world, but now more like the developing countries, or such as the countries in the such as ca- countries in the Middle East or um, parts of uh, Asia um, and Africa. So she was also warning us of how uh, women's the the uh, women and the global um, third. Um, countries are likely to probably fall into the uh, uh, this loopholes or um, these yeah
4: yeah, yeah. of, of like, capitalism. But before yeah. all those ideas, I remember she really grounded um, a, the like this concept of black space in slavery. She like pointed out the importance of slavery in, in like having those talks about like black space and uh, their history. Uh, and she, like, mentioned that it is, like, a very definite point where, like, humanity decided, like, what could be subhuman. So that I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. And she talked about the logic of dispossession and extractivism that happens through slavery. Yeah. So, of course, that is linked um, to capitalism. But also, yes. like, of course, it is very racialized, mm-hmm. as we know. Yes. Um. Sh- we, she yeah. also, um. Uh, she, like, talked about how France, like, constructed itself as immune to racism, mm-hmm. do you yeah. remember that? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you know, like yeah. the the liberty, equality, fraternity, yeah. values yeah. of friends, yeah. like um they're so popular, mm-hmm. but at the same time, mm-hmm. like in practice sometimes yes, they're yes. not really you know, there's yes. they're they're not really yes. like there when it comes to race. Yes, so yes. that links to mm-hmm. the idea of white feminism that you yes. were talking about yes. that like but I, sometimes yeah. it like overlooks mm-hmm. the Race and that sometimes even happens with the constitution. So for the concluding
5: mark, um, I would like to summarize by how François Suo and Pui are are both talking about how these ideas should be put into practices in social movements. It's okay, we can just cut it. Um, (laughs) Social movements, because they talked about how um, they are They're also. They're all talking about the imagination of political science and the imagination of the concepts and of critical theories. So people should be, um, they were addressing all the ideas of the climate change that recently happened in Vancouver and how it could, uh, instead of ha- only happening in front of the city hall and in the city, it could also be people rallying around in the forest and uh, tr- connecting themselves with the um, with the nature, in uh, in a way to truly authentically voice their volition of connecting deeper um, and and closer with the nature. So that's the humans' bodies and their lives, and this neoliberalism propaganda,s in terms of them enjoying the materialistic consumptions are not separated from their original um, natural um, um, tendencies of. Closing to nature anymore that's very so.
4: interesting, yeah so um, yeah um, that's a little bit of uh, about the event. Um, thank you for listening to us. Um, there are many more events that uh, the consulate is going to be uh, holding and the or gallery also has this other um, uh, events with art speak mm-hmm. uh, which this is part from, and uh, stay tuned for more about a um, uh, i mean future events about um uh, bodies borders fields Mm -hmm. maybe around a different topic or a different place um thank you very much for listening to us thank you hello we're back and we
5: have
1: lua Uh, wow i ran here because (laughs) i didn't want to miss the show But I hope the show went well. I'm going to hear more about it um, afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Very exciting. I hope everyone liked Sarah because I'm so, so happy she's joining me (laughs) as a host.
0: I'm so happy
1: Uh, you're hosting. (laughs) (laughs) So much pressure. Oh my God,
0: yeah, I was stressed. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so the play I actually want to talk about today is Hysteria. Yes. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but Hysteria is the play that about two weeks ago, we had an interview. It was a pretty long interview with the cast members, and I felt really a deep connection to the story of the play as a woman. It's an all-female cast, not only cast, but all the technicians, who anyone who worked um, in that production was mm-hmm. either uh, femme identifying or genderqueer, oh, okay. that's that's a- which so I thought was really cool. And so I'm going to do a little recap of what Hysteria is about. Although if you heard our interview a few weeks back, uh, you already know. So Hysteria is a play that was put on not this year's fringe, last year's fringe. And because it was so people liked it so much, it kind of came back for a two week run that just finished last week that, that just finished this Sunday. And it talks about se- uh, sexual violence, oh. but it talks about sexual violence in a very interesting, entertaining, funny, and deconstructed way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, the premise of the play is that in a near future, it's kind of a Black Mirrorish thing. Oh. <laughs> in a near future, um, the government creates this app, um, the Consent App, mm-hmm. where before any sexual intercourse between people they have to um, go into the app and consent to things. Oh, if okay. they don't consent, then they use that as a legal base to tackle a, um, a sexual assault case.
0: That's really oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah.
1: However, can, the question becomes, can consent really be that simple? <laughs> and with an app like that, I believe consent can re- be revoked at any time. <laughs> right? Mm. Um, you can start something and halfway through i don't want to do it anymore and consent can be re- revoked at any time but with an app like that can consent be revoked at any time once you give it can you take it back is there a way to take it back mm-hmm. um and not only that it explores so it goes from this premise of the app um and following both the creators and the group of a group of four female friends in their lives one of them is married one of them is queer uh one of them um is like looking for a relationship and the other one is kind of like just living her best life mm-hmm. and the really cool thing about this play is that it wasn't just a story it kind of was had little snit like little skits in between okay. where for example um the show started and they're following a story and kind of like everything cuts to like all of them entering in a different costume and they do like a little musical show like a musical piece where it's Mm -hmm. like oh like it's I don't even know how to explain it (laughs) because I don't want to give it so much away although I guess at this point it's gone but I hope they put it on again next year because it was such an amazing show Mm -hmm. that I didn't wasn't exactly sure what I was walking into but I'm so so happy Mm -hmm. I went and I'm so so happy I watched that because it made me think about so many different things and how to tackle certain topics in a humorous way without Mm -hmm. being disrespectful, you know? That's that's interesting. And so, for example, that little skit that I was talking about before, like they come in and it's kind of like our dating stories, but women don't share their dating stories, but we are going to share our dating stories kind of thing. Oh. And they go in and like the first story is like, oh yeah. And he was really nice. And then he kissed me and he kissed me and I don't want to be kissed. And that's the first story. And then the second story is like, he put his hand down there and I asked him what he was doing and then he just pressed harder and then someone walked into the room and he stopped oh. and then it kind of like progresses and like by the the last story, you're like, oh, like because it kind of the first story kind of comes off of like funny, kind of like quirky, like, oh, mm-hmm. I see what happened there and then it kind of goes to like, wait, this is, there's, this man. is off. Yeah, yeah, this is wrong. And then it goes to like okay that's 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 not okay like mm-hmm. we should care we should take care of this person right yeah and so like little things like that well not only that that was one of the ones that stuck to me but this other one is like they also included puppets oh. so it wasn't just a play they included music there was music there was dancing there was puppetry <laughs> there was a so use of uh, a TV, uh, like a television screen with films oh. as well so it was like a very multimedia very like mm-hmm. a lot of things happening at once mm-hmm. but it really really worked so well because nothing ever felt like it was too much it never felt like they were overdoing it it always felt like this makes perfect sense like this is a natural progression yep. although it also felt kind of like um, a sitcom, like like Saturday Night Live huh, kind okay, of stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, you're following the same people. Mm-hmm. You're following the, the same general story. But there's like these elements throughout. Yeah. That I there's... feel like
0: that would be hard to do, you know, well. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and they did do it very, very well. I was very surprised because I also I took my parents for it. Oh, okay. And um, both That's my mom right. and my dad, my stepdad. And um, I was... I kind of walked in and I was like, I told them like, this is going to be a drama. Oh my like, God. this is going to be tense. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I, what to expect, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I knew what this show was going to be about. And I kind of knew what issues they would tackle. Mm-hmm. But how they're going to do it? No idea. Yeah. And so I'm like, did I make... A huge mistake like walking i was like oh my god i made a huge mistake i shouldn't have brought my parents like what are they gonna think like how are they gonna react to this like are we gonna have a conversation after this like is this gonna open doors is this gonna this close doors yeah you know and at the end of the show they really really enjoyed it oh, like they so were good. laughing so then the whole way through and by the end of it they were like i am mesmerized by the execution like these actresses are so good that's and so at the nice. same time like the they were they were telling me like these these conversations are so important to have, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, well, that's
4: such a good reaction. yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, like, it is. I was Some scared, chaos.
1: but I'm really I'm really happy that I that I got a chance to bring you guys to see this. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it was just a great experience overall. And part of me wanted to see more, even. Oh. Like, the show is relatively short. The show was an an hour and 20 minutes with no intermission. But I feel that it could, I could have watched more. You know, like, those creative snippets were so good. Like, I have, it felt such a refreshing content. Like, I haven't Mm -hmm. seen content like that in a while. And, or at least content that feels like that in a while. um, That's tackling these really hard really difficult issues to talk about that are such taboos in certain ways. But they're brought to light and they're not only brought to light in a serious way that's going to make us all feel bad about it, Mm -hmm. but they're brought to light in a light, fun way. That's good. That although I understand how difficult it is and I understand how hard it is and I understand all these different elements, it's also so good to leave a play and not feel the weight on my shoulders, but but at the same time not feel the weight on my shoulders, but f- feel that there are people out there that would be able to support me if mm-hmm. if I something happened, you know. Like
4: that's really important, yeah. And
1: so it was really an amazing show. Um, props to Jill, who was the screenwriter and director, and one of the actresses in this um, in this performance. Really, truly amazing, and I'm just gonna talk really quickly about my favorite, absolute favorite part, which is when the puppets were introduced. Because I thought there was gonna be puppets, and I was like, okay, puppets are gonna be part of the story. Uh-huh. It was part of one of those little skits. It wasn't a puppet of someone; it was a puppet of a clitoris.
0: Oh, what? <laughs> oh my god!
1: And like, god, the puppet didn't cool. talk but like all the movements and basically it was kind of like a talk show was like we're gonna introduce cleo that's a great name (laughs) you know and it was so funny (laughs) (laughs) it was so so funny like my mind was like i love this so incredibly much like (laughs) i cannot put into words how like i was laughing like i was laughing so hard yeah i could imagine stomach hurt because it wasn't just like the unexpected if the unexpected aspect of it mm-hmm. it was also the this is a really smart way of talk- talking about something that most people don't talk about yeah and so that's where we're gonna end the show today yeah. uh thank you so much for tuning in and see you next week with a lot of vif content coming yeah, up
0: Yeah, VIFF is coming
1: okay hey. bye-bye Bye.
3: start living start listening from features through music to news reflecting your views this is
4: CITR 101.9 FM broadcasting live from Vancouver UBC
3: accelerated program
4: accelerated programming since
3: 1937